Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So I'm a little late on this one, had some technical difficulties, but I wanted to quickly talk about the Warriors 115-101 loss to the Orlando Magic at Chase Center. Uh, The Magic, they have swept the season series, the two-game season series from the Warriors, just like the Detroit Pistons have. And if you told me at the beginning of the season that was going to be the case, I would have been like, are, are you kidding me? Like, what, what's what's going on? Uh, has any team ever been swept by those two teams and won the title in the history of those teams? I don't know. It was a random thought. I know that those teams have been very good in their histories. But, uh, you know, in this one, the Warriors, I mean, that game was just kind of like, meh. For lack of a better term, I texted my buddy Aaron in Toronto. I was like, "Man, this is this is kind of kind of a boring game, and it sucks because we were all hyped up because Andrew Wiggins was coming back and Andre Iguodala was coming back, and they were obviously rusty. I mean, we expected rust, but you know, Clay Clay Thompson, who'd been playing so dang well recently, he was a uh, last second scratch because of precautionary knee soreness and whatnot. And that's fine. You know, he's been playing so many minutes and he's been playing so well that, you know, if there's any kind of, you know, safety abundance of caution type thing, it's with clay and whether it's his ACL or his Achilles or both, just making sure that he's good to go. And in this one, they came out flat a little lifeless and that may have had something to do with clay all of a sudden being out, but they just could never really get a head of steam. And when you get Wiggins back and Iguodala back, you think there's going to be some reinforcements, but I mean, (laughs) Andre hasn't played all season and Wiggins has been out for, I don't know, like a month or something. And yeah, they started off okay when they were playing, but let's face it, like the Magic, just like the Pistons, they came out really, really wanting to win this game. And also like the Pistons, the Magic have some young, talented dudes out there who are hungry to come after the the defending champs, regardless of who's on the court. So the Warriors never really truly got a foothold, never truly got into a real rhythm and with Clay Thompson out, my first question was like, okay, as I've been saying this whole stretch with Steph out, it's like you're going to live and die with Clay and Poole. And they basically have in terms of you know being in games, winning games, losing games. With just Poole, who was going to step up and really you know, fill up the box score a little bit more. Wiggins, up until the point that he was he got injured this season – was clearly the Warriors' second best, second most consistent player behind Steph. So it was like, okay, well, yeah, you you swap out Clay, but then you swap in Wiggins. But of course, like I said, he's rusty and he's not necessarily that kind of guy that Clay is, who's going to jack up a bunch of shots and you know try to uh, get like thirty points. Because we've known that Wiggins is very willing to kind of take that step back, and you know. He's he's great. He's great for the Warriors and everything, but it wasn't 
going to just be him. It couldn't be just him. So you're looking around at this team and, hey, <laughs> Jordan Poole, he never really seemed to get going at all. His line was was pretty, was pretty, pretty rough. Five for 17 in 38 minutes, two for 11 from three, 21 points, uh, nine for 10 from the line, which, you know, he got to the line, which is great, but still uh, four boards, six assists and four turnovers. He's still uh, loosey-goosey with the ball. Wiggins, for his part, only 19 minutes, which again, getting your legs, getting your conditioning, getting your lungs, uh, that's understandable. Only four for 12, two for seven from three, two for two from the line, three boards, two assists, one steal, three turnovers, minus 22 on the night, 12 points. Yeah, that's uh, that's not going to cut it, but it is what it is, right? The, <laughs> the guy that kept them in the game was Anthony Lamb, who... <laughs> Hit a bunch of threes early on, and then all of a sudden just jacked up a bunch of shots. I think he hit his first three or four, and then he ended up with uh, 14 attempts from three, five for 14, <laughs> nine for 20 overall, 33 minutes, 26 points, eight boards, four assists, two steals. Now, props to him for being aggressive, for seeing that green light and and going for it. But you just knew that he was the one that was keeping them close just like the Warriors were lucky enough to have him hit shots early on and with the margin being the margin for error being so thin it was like okay the law of averages is going to come into play and he's going to miss a bunch of these and he's not going to be able to sustain this for a full four quarters or whatever and he didn't and the Warriors they couldn't find anyone else to really, really get them back in. They tried Patrick Baldwin Jr. and he was okay. Three for six from three, three of nine overall in 15 minutes, nine points. But they were hoping maybe, you know, at least I was hoping that he would catch fire and like hit like, you know, five threes or six threes or something and just buy some of those really, really tough to get points that the Warriors could not get. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo, 15 points, five for 12 overall eight boards, three assists, two steals. But again, like that's just not going to be enough. And the Warriors defense, uh, it was, it was rough in, in patches in this one. Sometimes you just talk about which team has the best player on the floor. And here it was the magic, you know, Paolo Bancaro. He was the best player on the floor in this game overall, everybody healthy, everybody in rhythm. I don't know if that's the case, but but in this, uh, both he and Franz Wagner were kind of dictating tone and pace. Uh, Bankero had 25 points on nine for 20 from the field, uh, four for nine from three, five boards, three assists. Uh, Franz Wagner, 24 points, nine for 16, three for seven from three, three for five from the line, two boards, two assists. So, uh, you know, those guys really, really, you know, impressed me and I'll be honest, like in the 21 draft, I didn't want <laughs> Franz Wagner in the seventh spot. I was very much like hoping for Jonathan Kaminga. But after this one, you know, like you got to take a step back. A lot was made of the fact that the Warriors had a couple of days off and you thought that they would be healthy and fresh and they just looked stale, <laughs> you know, the complete opposite of fresh. So, you know, you just kind of toss this one because Clay was out. Other dudes were just getting into the flow. 
they didn't have as much chemistry. I mean, none of those guys, none of the new guys had ever played with Andre Iguodala in NBA minutes. And Wiggins was also trying to to find his spot. So, you know, you take a step back and like, oh, that was a kind of a, a whack game to watch, but it is what it is. And you just move on. Uh, the Warriors had slid up to the sixth spot on their uh, two day during their two days off. And that was kind of funny because they hadn't played a game, but they moved up. And it was nice for a moment. And I was like, okay, build on that, build on that, you know, really, really take control of your destiny there and keep rising up the rankings. But, you know, now they're in the eighth spot, which if you've looked at the standings in the West, they're so bunched up with like mediocre records right around there that I'm not too concerned, but this is really a time where you want to uh, start squirreling away, packing away wins and making that that move up up the charts. They play the final game of this homestand on Tuesday against the Phoenix Suns. And I'll be honest, they better get that one, right? They better get that one. I don't know if Clay is going to play in that one. I mean, you know, it'll be what, roughly almost a week from his previous game, which would have been the Pistons game. And you know, you'll know that he would want that one, even if Devin Booker isn't playing. He's had two of his worst games this season, most uh, publicly <laughs> uh, worst games of the season against the Suns, and you know he would want that back. But the Suns are reeling, right? They have dropped far in the standings, and there's a big question mark on whether or not they'll be able to dig themselves out of it with Booker being out for so long. So as the Warriors, you better pounce on that. That's a team that is not young the way the Magic or the Pistons are. The Suns, <laughs> they have some history with the Warriors. So this is a team that won't catch the Warriors off guard in that respect, that they're familiar with, that plays a pace that fits the Warriors roster a little bit more, especially with dudes out. So they better get this one against the Suns. That's all I'm saying. Like, it's not going to be the end of the world, but in terms of losing these past two and then the pacing and then the tempo of things going on the road, getting Steph back, hopefully in San Antonio by Friday, then this is what you want to kind of like end this homestand that was so positive, end it on a positive note. Plain and simple, right? Like hopefully Wiggins shows he's getting his rhythm back a little bit more. Andre Godala shows he can make a greater impact and whatnot. And hopefully Poole can snap out of it. And, you know, a lot was made over the last couple of days. You know, when there's no games, there's a lot of just like chatter about stuff that lingers from the previous game. And there was chatter about how... Jordan Poole, there shouldn't be any Jordan Poole smack talk or slander or criticism or anything that Steph had tons of turnovers his early years and whatnot. I mean, there was even behind the back passes in the finals loss to the Cavs, which made no sense. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine, right? Like we all know that about Steph and still he'll throw some haphazard passes, but like it doesn't mean that Poole is absolved of any criticism, right? And he, he had major gaffes in uh, a couple of straight games. And uh, we understand who Poole is. We understand like what he can bring, but it doesn't mean that 
you just let it slide, especially in critical situations. And I've said he'll get better, obviously. Like that's not a question. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't have these kinds of brain farts, gaffes or whatever in critical moments in in important seeding game or in the playoffs, whatever. So he's a proven playoff player to some extent. So you worry less, but he's also hasn't had as many of these like tight games where it comes down to the final few possessions without Steph, right? So he's trying to do a lot, trying to do maybe too much and trying to prove he's worth $140 million starting next season, right? So, you know, like all this uh, emotional talk about like, oh, you know, he's young, no, 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 don't pile on him. Maybe there's people, you know, on social media who are just being irrationally uh, cruel because that's what social media does, unfortunately. But uh, to me, it's like, yeah, you look at pool and you see, his good qualities, you see his bad qualities, and you just want him to improve. And that's the whole point of criticism, right? Of calling stuff out. It's like, because he's done this. It's not just these handful of games on this uh, home stretch this past week, but it's throughout. I've been pointing this out for the majority of Poole's career since he's become a legit six-man player. So, you know, he'll do things where he'll uh, lose the ball. The ball slips out of his hand that where he'll drive to the bucket and then get stonewalled and have no idea what to do with the ball. And he'll, like I said, either dive for a foul, get blocked or jump in the air and try to pass it to the three point line. And a lot of times that gets picked off. So uh, these are things as a young developing player that he needs to continually develop. He's not a finished product. I don't think anyone claims that, right? But it's the decisions. It's the decisions, you know? It's like Clay's hot. Clay brought you guys back to these points. He deserves. He's earned that shot, especially if he's pretty open. So, it's just those kinds of things. And in the moment, there's a lot of frustration. But also, like, yeah, I don't think anyone's saying, like, oh, okay, now pool's the problem. Trade him. Uh, you know, before it was like, oh, get rid of so and so. And now it's like, ah, pool. So that's just the rhythm of the season. And, you know, for this Orlando game, it's disappointing with the effort overall and the vibe. If I went to that game personally, I'd be like, dang, yo, I'd want my money back. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many unknowns. Like, will James Wiseman actually be on this Warriors team by the end of the season? I hope so. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. The app is super easy to use. Just pop it open, do what you got to do, and you're good to go. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's like you take a step back, the Warriors are missing a ton of dudes. And as long as those dudes get healthy collectively soon, then 
you know, feeling pretty, pretty decently. You're starting to look at the standings more seriously. Uh, and the Suns game is the 41st game of the season. So halfway right then and there, right? 82 game season. So 41st game. So that's another reason why you want to finish this first half of the season, this homestand on a definitive high note. You know what I'm saying? Because if you get Steph back and hopefully Clay back soon and Kaminga back soon and Wiggins gets in a rhythm, Andre Iguodala can play 10 to 15 minutes without getting hurt. Uh, Wiseman hopefully can get back in the mix. And then, of course, Jermichael Green. Then that's like <laughs> that's just like seven seven guys who are either out or just got back. So let's not worry too much about like the Warriors roster, in my opinion. I mean, again, I'm a Wiseman believer and I've said it's a shame that he's been out the stretch because uh, it was his opportunity to really, really solidify his spot on the roster. And in my opinion, I was hoping that this was his opportunity where he could jump to Michael Green, that he could play convincingly well enough to keep that spot and really, really just distance himself from to Michael Green in terms of like he's the he's the backup center, period. So we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, I don't worry about this roster right now, healthy. Uh, but you do start thinking like, okay, let's let's get some of these wins going because, you know, it's it's like it's an opportunity right now. It's their chance to really pack those away and separate themselves from the other record-wise mediocre teams. You know what I mean? Because after this Phoenix game, there's still some winnable games. They go Friday at San Antonio, then Sunday against the Bulls in Chicago, uh, Monday in D.C. against the Wizards, but then they run into the Celtics in Boston and then the Cavs in Cleveland on Friday, January 20th. So there's some winnable games in that stretch, right? Like healthy, the Warriors can win any game, of course, but there's a few front-loaded teams there where it's like, okay, if this is when Steph gets back, he can hopefully get up to speed and play some lesser teams before running into the Celtics who are going to be <laughs> really, really <laughs> trying to prove a point and the the Cavs. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's unfortunate, though, that Moses Moody hasn't been able to really, really make a mark at all in any of these games. Uh, he's done some positive things, right? But there's not much noise there. It's like he doesn't really make much of an impression. And I still think he can be a good NBA player, but I just don't know what it is, right? It, there's a question of whether or not Patrick Baldwin Jr. has potentially moved past Moody in the rotation. And of course, they play different positions, but just in the future, when more guys are healthy, will Patrick Baldwin Jr. be that guy who they need to come in the game and hit big threes, right? Because it's not so much a question of them playing the same position, but we know that there's a bunch of guards on this team. You go Steph, Clay, uh, Poole, DiVincenzo, Ty Jerome, right? Five guards. And then Moody hasn't been able to get in front of any of those dudes. So if it's a question of him not getting minutes ahead of any of those guys, then, you know, when it comes down to it, you're going <laughs> to having like a stretch four, stretch five, stretch big, like PBJ down the road, who 
can, you know, get out there, be a big body, and then also play smart and hit threes, then his value to this team kind of changes the calculus a little bit in terms of who the Warriors see in the future, who they should keep, who they would want to keep. Again, they play different positions, but the Warriors can certainly see a situation where it's like, okay, we're set at the guard spot in the future. And then also Ryan Rollins, who I'm pretty high on, but he needs a ton of development. Uh, He will be fighting for guard minutes next season. And then like saying, okay, let's put our money, our resources where it best fits. And that's like those guys and moving on perhaps from Moses Moody, maybe, you know, is he in the trade value mix type thing? So just something to put out there. I'm pulling for the kid, but uh, it's it's unfortunate that he hasn't been able to do more during the stretch when Steph has been out, when Wiggins has been out, and then Clay and this one was out. So, you know, and then Kaminga's been out. Again, like Moody plays uh, guard and small forward, but, you know, there's some overlap with some of those uh, other dudes. And he had, in theory, an opportunity but just hasn't been able to overcome Ty Jerome, Anthony Lamb, or anyone else. So, uh, but, you know, we'll see. It's a long season and, you know, it's what, just early January and we're looking for this team to get healthy and to start, you know, finding its rhythm soon. So that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm expecting. And uh, we'll go from there. And if things go into the tank again on the road, you know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, there's still the trade deadline in a month. So uh, we'll go from there. All right. That is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show, on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs. <laughs>